it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. What happened? We don't know there weren't any witnesses. I can only assume they found out he wasn't one of them. Guess I should have listened to you. Why are you showing me this? Why did you bring me out here? What, you mean instead of his wife? You knew this would happen. You sent him out here because you knew this would happen. You wanted this. You wanted him to die. Why? Why? You're asking me why? After everything I did to get you here, after everything I've done to keep you here, how can you possibly not understand that you're mine? Take as much time as you need. Welcome into another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we continue on our journey into the fourth season of the series. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. Uh, This week, we move forward with our discussion of season four, episode six, The Other Woman. A couple things just to start off this podcast, uh, this episode with. Uh, we hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. This is the first episode we're doing since Thanksgiving, which is fine. Um, uh, I want to give a special shout out to some people. Uh, Spotify. I love the look on your face, Kristen. I know the listeners can't see it, but you're like, what are you talking about? Um, Spotify uh, a week or so ago put out their they put out their lists of like top songs of 2020 top podcasts of 2020. We had a number of people tag our podcast on Instagram because we popped up in their top five. Yay! So to everybody who tagged us, um, even if you didn't tag us, uh, if we popped up in your top five, most listened podcasts, uh, that is amazing. And I just want to say thank you so much. It's so humbling and uh, it makes us feel great about what we do uh, and why we do this. Yeah. So. I assume no one's listening. <laughs> I assume we just hang out every week. <laughs> and, you know, you know, and I think I, I do that with every podcast I'm on. Yeah. Like I every it doesn't matter if I'm guesting on somebody's podcast. I treat it more as in like, this is just a conversation I'm having with some friends and, and yeah. that's, that's why it comes across as comfortable and not overly produced or anything like that. So it's one of the reasons why when you're listening to this podcast, we will totally break away for something my cat is doing in the background or whatever. It's just a conversation between two great friends about a show that we love and that's why I like I like doing it that way. So to everybody who tagged us, 
everybody who this podcast appeared in your top five or even your number one, because I had one or two people even tag us as their most listened to podcast. Uh, you have no idea how great that makes us feel. And we can't thank you enough for for sticking it out. Yeah, I I'm I, I, I am surprised Spotify is pretty big. So um, yeah. I know that. You know, I, I don't listen to Spotify, but I know my husband does. And so, you know, you can listen to basically anything you want. So I appreciate all the listening um, lists. Yay. And that's yeah. And that's an interesting point, too, that I didn't even think about until right now. That's just Spotify. Like there are other ways to listen to this podcast, whether it's through Apple or through Podcast Addict, which is how I listen to my podcasts. Like, I use uh, Overcast, I think it's called. Okay. But there are other ways that we might be in people's tops, you know, when when it comes to those. So, again, just thank you so much for uh, for listening and continue and sticking with us. I know we're not on a regular basis, but we try our hardest. And look, man, it's 2020 and I'm sticking by that even next year. It's because I'm going to blame everything on 2020 <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's, this year has been hard in my language, uh, utter shit. It's um, my 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 anxiety has been at a lifetime high. Um, there's been disease. There's been death, both personally and for the world. Um, it's just been a shitty year. And mm -hmm. if uh, if listening to us brings you even just a couple moments of escape from that, like we're happy to be here to do it. Uh, this is an escape for us. Yes. You know, to do it. We we tend to vent to each other a little bit before we even start start recording. One hour and 13 minutes <laughs> this now, time. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that might be a record for us at this point. We talked about everything from like the shitty year to Shits Creek and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. So. That's awesome. I love that. Sorry about uh, blowing out anybody's eardrums with my laugh. <laughs> that was just really funny. But let's get into this episode. Uh, season four, episode six, uh, the, the other woman. Uh, if you don't know already by this point, this is a spoiler full podcast. So you will hear us talk about things that not only have happened on the series, but will still happen in the series. This is a rewatch. So we are going to talk about things that have already happened. So if this is your first time watching through the series, be prepared. We are going to talk about uh, spoilers there will be spoilers so but we got another Juliet centric episode with a lot of Ben mixed into it a yeah lot you of know ben that's so funny it. that you say that because as much as this is a Juliet episode it's also kind of a Ben episode oh it's totally a Ben episode at the same time yeah um so I mean, there's a, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Juliet and Ben's story is so intertwined uh, on the island and how she got to the island and why she wants to get off the island. And I mean, you really see why she has as much hatred for him as she does. And rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the whole time I'm watching this, um, it wasn't until like the end of the episode where she's walking. Oh, shoot. I just, just watched the episode like an hour ago. Um, <laughs> but she's walking at the end and she's talking to Jack and she's 
she says something to him about like, you know, he knows how I feel about you or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, didn't Goodwin die like six weeks ago at this point? Well, it's 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 funny, too, when you talk about the timeline, because there's another very big thing that happens in this episode that shows the short amount of time that has happened between certain events. And there's because there's the tape that Ben shows John Locke that of the security. It's the security footage. Oh, Red Sox. Of, of wind. Yeah. Of Charles. Yeah. And it says Red Sox on it. And Ben says, I taped over the game. It yeah. wasn't that long ago that Ben had shown Jack that game of the Red Sox. Right. So right. this has had to have happened within a couple of weeks. And and let's let's also talk about the fact that at the beginning of the season or at the end of last season, I can't remember, uh, Jack kisses Kate and says, I love you. That's in the finale of season three. Yeah. And in this episode, he kisses Juliet. Uh, yeah, Jack's a... Oh, I don't know what the word is. I was going to say player, but he's not a player because he doesn't know. How I to know game. the word. Uh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> he's really he's not. He's not. He's just he's uh, confused and losing his grip on all control. And it's funny, too, because it's I say it's funny a lot. It, but, you know, you mentioned that he's losing his grip on his grasp on control. But when you look at the the two people that we consider probably to be the biggest leaders of this group are Jack and, and John Locke. Yeah. And they are the two people who are very much losing their grasp on everything that is happening. It's funny that you say that because I actually wrote down um, a note that I thought was really telling about um, Locke's mental state right now and how he is just... Um, living moment to moment. And that was the fact that he's killing the chickens. Well, we um, talked so, about that a little bit last episode too. Right. But yeah. he's saying he's running out of chickens in this episode. So he's now killed most of the chickens, yeah. which means that he's not thinking about anything long-term and it's, he's in panic mode. And, and uh, yeah, you're right. He's not thinking about anything long-term, but this is also somebody who doesn't want to leave this island. Like, that's the one thing he should be doing. Yeah. Is that if they plan on staying there and living there forever, you should be planning long term. But see, that just proves that his desire for power is starting to outweigh his desire for longevity on the island, where I think even last season, that was different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. He's he is a character who is. I I want to say this might be one of the lowest points of John we we get, um, short of uh, hanging from a rafter. That's definitely short of a, short of short of Edgar John. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's um, wearing an Edgar suit. <laughs> I love the way that that woman says Egger. Okay. Sorry, Egger and, suit. And water. <laughs> wow. I want to know the listener. I'm sure the hope the listeners get that reference. Um, 
It's Egger suit. It's an Egger suit. God, who references that movie? I do all Thank the time. For, Thank you for that. But you're yeah, welcome. you're you're right. Short of Egger Eggerlock. Um <laughs> <laughs> or John Egger, however you want to say it. But yeah, short of short of being at the bottom end of a noose, this is the lowest point of John I think we've seen so far. Yeah. Is that you he has he has no control. He he's hold, he's grasping as hard as he can onto the illusion of control. In mm. which we have learned this we learned this episode in particular, he doesn't have it. The one man who he thinks he's in control of is the one man who still has control of this situation. Well, and we and and see, we've been talking about this for a really long time when it comes to John Locke. John Locke is a weak-minded individual. He has continually blamed others for his problems. He doesn't take a lot of responsibility. He has a lot of pride. He doesn't like it when people tell him what he can and can't do. Excuse me. <laughs> don't tell me what i can't do right he he has and, and he's easily manipulated and and ben no and ben knows it i mean he ben is having fun right now oh ben point. is having a blast right now i mean other than the fact that he's not too sure about the rabbit <laughs> Did this that have a was, number on it? I love that line. Like that is such a great throwback to an early to, to previous seasons when, he, when, when he, he's diving into the rabbit. And he's like, this didn't have a number on it, did it? Like I, I love that line. That was such a great line. Well, did you notice also that he just ate the vegetables? No, I didn't even notice that he didn't eat the <laughs> he rabbit. He just ate the vegetables. Well, let's not forget too. Like he, I don't think we've seen it yet because we haven't gotten young Ben yet on this island but ben does have a connection to those rabbits yeah when he was a child he didn't have his father he did have a pet rabbit mm -hmm. and it's one of those reasons why he did have the connection to the rabbits as he's older that he's experimenting with when he's playing with you know when he was playing with kate and, and such with the rabbit i never noticed that he doesn't eat the rabbit and no, now no, that kind of connects further eats the green beans or whatever they were. Also, he he's not much of a cook because when he took that roast out, that roast looked half raw. I looked at it, I go, that needs to go back in the oven. Like that's all I could think about. And he's slicing it. I'm like, that need put it back in the oven. <laughs> well, that could have been the reason, another reason why Ben didn't eat it. It just wasn't cooked. Oh no, this was the different scene, the dinner party. Oh, the, oh, the dinner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, well, but it, it could still stand true for the rabbit. Maybe the rabbit just wasn't cooked properly. But still, yeah, it, it it's Ben is. It's it's been fun to watch the writers play with who is really in control. Mm -hmm. They've been toying with it for a while. It was it Locke who's really in control because Ben is a captive. Is this all part of Ben's plan? And it's pretty much it comes to fruition. Locke has no control. I mean, by the end of this episode, we see Ben casually strolling to his own house, holding clothes, saying like, I'll see you guys at dinner. See you at dinner. Yeah. Like Ben is totally in control. He is still absolutely, absolutely in control of the situation. When's the last time he didn't have a beat up face? Um, Other than flashbacks. I was going to say when he was a child, but even that's not true. 
I mean, that guy has been hit in the face so many times. He <laughs> should have brain damage, right? Well, well, if there are two things that have been proven true in this episode, it's that one, Ben can take a licking and keep on ticking. And two, Sawyer cannot win a game of anything on this island to save his life. <laughs> because he loses to Hurley to horseshoes. Well, he loses to Hurley almost exclusively. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and I love it. The yeah. one person that Sawyer pokes fun at the most is the one dude that keeps beating him at every game that they play. But isn't that interesting that Hurley has nothing but really kind of good luck on this island? And it's not even luck. It's just that he's got all the things that are going for him. And he yeah. ends up being who he ends up being well maybe that's part of the 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 spirit of this island i mean we do have mm -hmm. a whole conversation with john and ben about when he's revealing that widmore was the one that is that it's his people on the freighter and he gives him like there was that you know the moss that healed people you came to this island you were able to walk you know rose is cancer free how many people would come to this island if they knew this about it Maybe that's it. Like maybe Hurley's bad luck was the thing that was healed by this island. You know, the same way that you know John uh, John's paralysis was the was, was healed. Rose's cancer was healed. Paralysis. Her paralysis. Sorry. Um, Hurley's uh, bad luck is what was healed on this. Which island. is interesting because his bad luck was caused by using the numbers that pretty much control the island. And it's and and his bad luck kind of still returns when he gets off the island. Oh like, yeah, it does. You know he gets arrested and you know from the, the chase and everything. So uh, his I dad's think back. His oh that's right, his dad. That's right. Uh, yeah, there's his Hurley's bad luck kind of returns when he gets off the island. So maybe that's just it. The island healed Hurley of his bad luck. Well, you know, and I think that it also has to do, I mean, not to get like too meta here, but it also, I mean, everybody had that blank slate. Everybody got, you got to see what, if, if, if you really blank slated somebody and honest to God gave them a do-over, what people would do with those do-overs, right? Kate became a leader and a and 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 um and heroic Sawyer became a better person Hurley felt free from his obligations that the money created Charlie kicked heroin yeah Claire Claire out. became a mother Jin and son repaired their marriage I mean when you really honestly give somebody a second chance and and you can see what people will do with it and if they will squander it or if they won't squander it. And I think a lot of people in today's society um, think that, oh yeah, everybody deserves a second chance, but nobody ever gets it. Nobody ever gets that, that past amnesia that, that people so desperately want. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and I love the press of the reset button. Yeah. And I think that, I think that if you're going to give somebody a, a, another chance that, you need to give them like an island second chance. Like, yeah, okay, we all just arrived at the island. Like nothing else matters at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And See, now you've changed my mind. Like, I, I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast. I think I told you this story before that I 
one of the first times I ever flew to Colorado to see my sister who was living in Colorado at the time, one of the first things I ever did was when I was sitting in the terminal, I looked around at all the people and I was like, and this is when Lost was still in the air. Mm -hmm. I looked around at all the people. I'm like, if this plane went down, who would I want to befriend? Like, who would I want to like form like friendships with? And then when I told my sister that when I got there, I got to Colorado, my sister looked at me. She's like, you're a moron. You were over mainland. You were never going to crash on an island. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, good point. But now I'm looking at that situation and like, hmm, you know, the way my life is now, so many years later, maybe I would welcome that crash if I knew I was going to survive and get a second chance. I think a lot of people would. I think a, I think that that that's part of the allure of Lost is is these people getting to be the version of themselves that they've always wanted to be, which is them. Yeah. Right. We make compromises our entire life and we keep chipping away at what we want for ourselves to fit into either someone else's life or into your job, into your social situations, your marriage as a parent. Um, you know, you just chip away and and you may and, and as you keep going and you realize that you've made some compromises here and there that maybe you've kind of veered off path more than you ever thought that you would. Right. And I think that 2020 is, is kind of a reflection on that anyways. It's, it's um, you know, we're kind of seeing what we're made of as people. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of like what lost is. We're, we're, we're seeing 2020 is showing us what we, what we're made of ourselves at while, while we're seeing what, we're getting a true reveal of what other people are made of mm -hmm. and while we're looking and kind of seeing what we're made of ourselves. And mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. It, it's also an interesting thing to look at too. When you look at it, when you look at lost as like second chance Island, um, if you're given the opportunity, how many people will actually take it? Yes. You know, they're obviously for the most part, most people who have been on this island have taken the second chance they've been given. You know, you mentioned Charlie kicking heroin, Claire, well, you know, actually embracing being a mother. Mm -hmm. The two people who I think are probably in question right now, obviously, are John Locke, because I, I think John is basically squandering the second chance he's been given um, or it's being revealed or maybe it's just being revealed that he's using the second chance he's been giving and it's not making him better. It's making him worse than he I initially think, was. Yeah, maybe I, you know, it, it could also be that he has this, this idea of what that second chance looks like. And he doesn't want to let that go to see what his second chance really means. I mean, a lot of us will be like, if I had a second chance, I would do this. Okay. Well, maybe that's not your path, you know? Yeah. And maybe there's a point that you have to let go of that and just see where it takes you. Yeah. I, I think the other person we need to look at too, when it comes to the second chances. And I think, I don't, I think he's somebody who, I don't think he's squandered a second chance, but I also don't think he's taken advantage of it yet is Jack. Um, he is somebody who definitely knows this Island is an opportunity and a second chance because he's the one that's told people that. You know, Kate in particular, like he's when he said he didn't want to know what she had done mm -hmm. because we all are getting a chance to be a different person now. He's the one person who knows this island is a second chance for people, but I don't think he's taken it for himself. And I don't think that's been entirely in his control. I think he's had so much put on his on his shoulders 
since he's been there, people adapted him as a leader. They looked at him as a leader. He said so much responsibility put on him that I don't think he's had an opportunity yet to take advantage of this second chance. I want to have to think on that because I think that Jack is, is kind of a, an outlier case like you were saying, but for different reasons, I think, because you could make the argument that he was given the second chance um, that, that he was given the chance to either be someone else or be the same man that he was, you know, when it came time to operate on Ben. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a moment there that he had an opportunity, but he's still, there are still moments though, that the old Jack shines through there. Yeah. There, there are definitely moments where that hero complex we've mentioned definitely still kind of comes forward. Well, and that, and, and, and to your point, you know, he, he also never got the chance to have a, a do over or blank slate because he, crashed and immediately had to continue being a doctor. I mean, he was performing, you know, triage since he arrived. I mean, and he's still the, kind of doing con- that. And then he continued to monitor people. Right. Yeah. He had, he's and he still took, a doctor. Yeah. He never stopped being a doctor. He never stopped being the man he was. Um, so I think that he, I, I think, I think you're right that he, maybe didn't even get the opportunity to start over. Um, But that doesn't mean that he can't change. Oh, I'm not saying that doesn't mean that at all. You and I have been, I'm still waiting for that to happen. Well, I mean, and you and I have been, (laughs) uh, you and I have been in complete agreement that the Jack we get at the beginning of this show and the Jack we get at the end of this series are two completely different people. hundred percent. Yeah. But well, I don't think that that Jack would have ever appeared without him leaving the island and coming back. I think he had to leave to realize that he needed to be on the island. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. I, I he the, the big changes that Jack goes through haven't really occurred yet. Yeah, um, they're still yet to come. And I think you're I think you're right. Putting some more thought into that. I think you're absolutely right. I think he needed to get off of that island to realize what that island's power really was. Absolutely. hundred percent. And, and then when he realized that he lost, I don't, I don't want to say power because it's, it's, it's definitely power. It, I use power in a different way than when we talk about John wants power to the power of the island. They're two completely different types of power. Power. John Locke wants power is in like leadership. And the the power that the island has is more like healing. So they're they're it's more like ability and not leadership. So, but you're right. Jack needed to see. It's like you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yeah, and well, and that's what Jack experiences getting off the island. It's so funny too because John was. I think that John's dad, Anthony Cooper, being on the island fundamentally changed John like the freedom that John had and the open-mindedness that John had before Anthony Cooper was put in front of him in, in comparison to after uh, Sawyer killed Anthony Cooper. Mm -hmm. um, It's funny because 
he's been John Locke has been tormented, I think, by the demons of that. I think he's almost haunted and and it's affected him and and his demeanor a little bit uh, like episode by episode. But what's funny is that it's a direct contrast to Sawyer, where he was haunted by his demons until he got to deliver that letter to Anthony Cooper and he killed Anthony Cooper and he left there and he was a different person <clears throat> and he felt free. <clears throat> I'm so sorry about my throat. No, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, um, but I think, I think one of the, the, the stark contrasts in that too, and this is going further to your point is Sawyer got to exercise his, the demons with his own hand. John yeah. had somebody else exercise his demons for him. Because he's not mentally strong. Yeah. Just like we see that again here. He allows Ben to completely manipulate him out of the cell, upstairs, into his own home, untie him, give him linens, and join everybody for dinner. Yep. And Ben didn't really have to work that hard for it. No, he really didn't. He never has with John. Mm -hmm. Ben has had John's number since the moment Ben was Henry Gale locked in that storage. Yeah. Locked in that closet in the hatch. He, of he, course he wanted to go off with Locke and not stay with Jack. Jack was like, no, fuck you. I'm yeah. you're staying with me. I don't believe anything you say. You don't get to talk. Whereas Locke, he knows, he knows exactly where to go to get what he needs from Locke. He didn't have that and with Jack. And the and the real curious part about Ben, and, and I don't even think it's curious, I think it's brilliance, is that Ben has total control over John. He has a handle on the situation. He knows exactly what's going to happen before it even happens. Um, until something happens later this season that Ben didn't expect. And then we see a switch flip in Ben when he realizes he doesn't have total control. Mm, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm talking about the Kimi and Alex moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what it's, you're talking it's about. It's that moment where he says, go ahead. I never cared about it. I, I, she's not really mm -hmm. my daughter. And Kimi pulls the trigger. And there's that look on Ben's face. I know it's a spoiler, but there's that look on Ben's face of like, um, that was not supposed to happen. And that's and, the last words that she heard. Yeah. And that's the moment we see the switch flip in Ben. Up until that point, because that was the moment he realized he lost control. But now we're still seeing a fully confident Ben who has complete control of the situation, who knows what's going to happen. But I think then this is the point I was trying to make. The, the brilliance of it is that he's not lying. He's not lying about anything. He just knows how to manipulate the truth to show it in a way to gain control. He's yeah. not lying about Winmore. Whitmore being the person on the freight, he's on the freighter. He's not lying about the reason that he doesn't know why, how Whitmore knows about this island. He's not lying about anything. And that's the brilliance of Ben. I love it that he's just like, he's like, Locke's like, why, why are you showing me this? He goes, this is my last car to play, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. This is all I got. <laughs> ben is, you're right. Ben is showing all his cards and like, he's got nothing up his sleeve. He's showing his entire hand. He just knows how to play it. 
Yeah, well, there's something a little sociopathic about that. Yo, that's there absolutely is. Absolutely there is. I mean, he's off the reservation 100%. As much control as he's in, you know, it's like that scary Tom Cruise from Collateral Control. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just this guy that's just, I, I don't know. You just never know what he's going to do. And he's so calm. Like, okay, let's let's actually get into this episode real quick because- I think ben, we've been. I think we've been into this episode. We have, but I. I mean, I mean the the Juliet, the flash. Yeah, we haven't talked parts. about any of the Juliet part. So because this is, I mean, this is very fascinating episode to me. Um, you know, I love Juliet. I love learning about her. I love it that we got to care about Goodwin. Um, we saw the other side of that story. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that that's great. Um. But Ben, let, let, let's just talk about Ben for a second and the fact that he thinks that Juliet is his property and he spends the entire time trying to regain control of that situation. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that... Okay, so when Goodwin and Juliet were on the beach and Goodwin was like, let's let's say something, you know, let's just be open about this or whatever. Mm. And then, and then the plane crash happened, what in like the next scene or two scenes later, something like that. And he says, Goodwin, you go here, blah, blah, blah. Do you, I I feel like we're missing a scene there. Do you think that they all, that they announced that they were together? I don't think, I don't think they announced that they were together. I think Ben was onto it and he legitimately sent Goodwin to his death. Well, I mean, he said that he did. He he yeah. he said that he did that. And um well, but that, but that was cruel. That was cruel taking her to his dead body. But here's the other thing though. Did he send did he send Goodwin to his death or did he just use that to his advantage to control Juliet further? So that's the other thing. The dinner party when she showed up with the rolls and he said, and he was like full of energy and really happy and everything was great. Do you think he knew that Goodwin was dead? I think he knew. I think he had a, I think he, he discovered he had a card to play when it was time to play it. So he, I think he knew at that point that Goodwin was dead and that an obstacle that was in his way is now out of his way. Cause that, that right there, the celebration and the lightness in his step and the music and the, this and the, that, that right there was the craziest he's ever been. It's, I mean, that is talk, lunacy. You talk about sociopathic, like that's, yeah. that's an absolute sociopathic moment for Ben. But I think, you know, when it comes to sending Goodwin to the tail section, I, my impression of that is Goodwin was in his way to to Juliet. If he got rid of Goodwin or sent Goodwin off, he had time to work on Juliet without Goodwin there. Goodwin's death was just a bonus. I think Goodwin was completely collateral damage. Like he was expendable when he sent Goodwin to the tail section. And but I that, think he, that seems weird too, because Goodwin seemed to be the guy that had a control on the chemicals of the island. True. Yeah. That's that's see, and that that's enough that that's interesting. That's short sighted as well. That's 
Ben trying to regain his status quo, regain his power, regain his property, if you will, just like Locke is trying to do right now. So maybe the connection there is that we're seeing Ben kind of scramble the same way that Locke is scrambling in this situation, which is why Ben can notice the signs. But I think it's also interesting too, you know, that how they, how they shot it, what, how they, they shot that scene. They actually had to reshoot a couple moments from that scene of the tail side of the plane crash um, because they needed to add Harper to that scene mm. because there is the conversation that Juliet and Harper are having when Harper confronts Juliet for sleeping with Goodwin, who Goodwin is her husband is Harper's husband. You know, and she tells Juliet, like, I'm not worried about this situation. I'm worried about Goodwin. I'm worried about how Ben is going to react yeah. to this. Because everybody knows at this point that Ben is infatuated with Juliet. Yeah. So she's more worried about what Ben is going to do to Goodwin than her own marriage. Well, so and I think that judging by what Goodwin said about how he had been sleeping on the couch for a year, I think that that goes to prove that they're, they're both acknowledging that their marriage was over and they probably kept up the sham or Harper kept up the sham to protect Goodwin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, they had to add her into that scene because when you see Goodwin listening to Ben about going off to the tail section report, they had that moment where Harper walked up from behind and looks at Juliet. And it's that look that it's so quick, but it's in that look where Juliet looks where Harper looks at Juliet and she says, like, she's literally saying in a split second, this is what I meant. Harper knows at that moment, there's a chance Goodwin might not be coming back. Yeah, well, and I think that once Ethan showed up dead, maybe you should have pulled Goodwin at that point. Yeah, maybe. If you cared about your people at all, Ben. But but again, I think because of his infatuation with Juliet, well, but and, and that goes to further your point too about how you sent off Goodwin, who is trained in how to use these chemicals. You sent off Ethan, who was one of your doctors. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, Ben's learned a lot since <laughs> in in the last ninety days. <laughs> it's you know it it's but. You know, as somebody who's been in that same situation, not that extreme of a situation, obviously, where I would send somebody to their death, but somebody who's been infatuated with somebody before, you're also not thinking clearly when right. you're under that infatuation. So right. it, it's very easy to misjudge your decisions and send your doctor and send your chemical specialist because they're obstacles in your way. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to do that um, and not think about it. But also at the same time, Ben doesn't have any regrets about doing it. And that's what makes him like that. No, he so, tap like, danced on Goodwin's grave. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and not only, and, and, and not only is that a sociopathic moment when he takes Juliet to see Goodwin, you think about this, that means he's already been there to visit Goodwin. Yeah. Because he knew where he was. Yeah. So Ben was already there. Which is why I think he was dancing and celebrating at the two-person dinner party. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think he, I think at that moment, he knew that this obstacle was out of his way. 
Ugh. <laughs> ben is a piece of work, man. He is, but he is. It's just he, like I, I've mentioned it before. He is one of my favorite characters from this series. Oh, it's he's a brilliant character. However, it's also. I mean, he's just a lot. He's he's diabolical. Mm -hmm. I, I, and that is a, we I don't think that's a word we've used yet to describe him, but it's absolutely true. No, but he it's is true. Diabolical. He mm -hmm. is a genius who is well aware of the situation he is in, who hides none of his cards, plays everything out in the open and still wins. Right. You know, I mean, that is if you were a poker player and played that way, you would win you would be a champion poker player. Yeah, that's what he should have done. But instead, he just <laughs> decided to be punched in the face a lot and, and run an island yeah. with, you know, different stages of bruises and black eyes and cuts <laughs> healing on his face. I, I think um, while we're talking about Juliet, too, one of the other things that we need to not really discuss, but kind of bring up is we get a little bit more insight into the one of the or part of the reason why women cannot carry to term on this island um you know we find out through juliet's research that it's um it's something that attacks the immune system during um i think the second term of the pregnancy and it attacks the fetus and that in return can causes the woman carrying to to lose their life um, uh, but but she's not yet she hasn't yet recovered or discovered what causes this attack. I don't think that that's ever I don't resolved. think it is. I don't think that's ever ever revealed. Because her 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 research has kind of been interrupted at this point by a plane crash and a bunch of survivors. Um, that kind of changed <laughs> a, the game. And an egomaniac at the helm. <laughs> yes. Well, that could be that 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 sentence, that phrase, an egomaniac at the helm could refer to a number of people. Yes. At this yes. point. Yes. That I I I said it on purpose. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. That could that my could. favorite my favorite Juliet line. I, I I just laughed out loud was when uh they're like, Oh, who was that woman? That was my therapist. Do you have a therapist? It's very stressful being an other, Jack. Yes. yes. <laughs> You know, it's what's funny too is we 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 talk about this in past episodes. There's always something correlating the title of the episode to the story that's being told. And I think there's maybe only been once or twice yeah. we haven't been able to piece it together with this one's very obvious. This one's very obvious in multiple yes. ways. Yes. Um, you know, you talk about the title as the other woman. Uh, Juliet is the other woman when it comes to Harper and Goodwin. Mm -hmm. She's the other woman as in she's an other. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's a woman with the with them. Um, I know there are other instances, too. I think there's at least one or two other ones. She's also the other woman uh, with Jack and Kate. That's right. That's and it. she's also the other woman when it comes to Ben, because Harper references the fact that Juliet looks a lot like her. That's that's right. And is that ever revealed who he's taught, who they're talking? If about? it is, I've forgotten about it. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, I think Poor Juliet, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I know it's coming. No, the wheel has to turn. 
<laughs> no, I was just thinking, I actually just watched something over the course of the past couple of days that she is the bride. Uh, she's Mrs. Claus. In the Santa Claus 2. Oh, she's the perfect Mrs. Claus. She would also make a really good Glenda the Good Witch. Have you ever seen the Santa Claus 2? Yes. Okay, yeah. She's, I've seen she, all the Santa Clauses. She's the one that I marries, have kids. I know. She's the one that marries Tim <laughs> Allen. Yeah. She becomes I, Mrs. Claus. I have. We... We've watched all the Christmas movies, all of them. We've watched I, Home Alone at least three times, and it's not going to be the last before I this is over. I just started my Christmas movie, my Christmas movie viewing. Anyway, <laughs> before we get way off track, um, I mentioned they didn't have a number on their back, did they? Um, I, I love that. <laughs> Why? That so I like funny. it that that lock is like. Why? It's like, did you eat paint chips as a kid? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I want to. I want to talk about the Tempest. Um, I don't know the Tempest at all. I know that it's a big reference in this uh, episode, but I don't. Well, no, isn't that the name of? It's the name of the facility where the chemicals are. Oh, I was talking about the Shakespeare. No, no, no. I, I, I don't know what the the reference is to that either. I'm talking about the actual, um, the actual facility. I and feel bad not knowing because I, I'm, I love literature. I love plays. I should know the Tempest. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, we, we, there's those big moments where we have Daniel and Charlotte are on their way. They've, they. Charlotte left. fights dirty. Yes, she does. Twice she attempts to use the, the the butt of a gun or use something to hit somebody over the back of their head. One time she's she's successful with Kate. She was prepared to kill Juliet. But Juliet is a badass in herself. Yeah, she's awesome. She bad Juliet is a badass in herself. Um, but there's something really I'm I'm questioning with this situation. Okay. When we get the whole journey following Charlotte and Faraday to the Tempest, um, which is the chemical facility, which Juliet knows Juliet goes to attempt to stop them, but they, but discovers they are there to stop it themselves. So this process has already been started before mm -hmm. Faraday and Charlotte get there. If this process was already started, it brings up a very interesting question about Ben and the power and the handle on the situation that he has. This chemical release we know is what caused the purge the first time when Ben cleared the Dharma initiative out and took over. Cleared it out. If that is the case, is Ben expendable to the rest of the others? Because he was at the camp where that chemical was going to hit again, had this gone off? Is Ben not in as much of control as he thinks he is because his own people were willing to let him die? Or was he aware of it and he was confident it would be shut down? That's a great question. I don't know, because I know that when he was, I mean, he was left. He was left by his people. And, and he, even, um, he, he even admits it. If my people wanted me back, they would have stormed this place already to get me. 
Yeah. And, um, Richard Alpert seemed pretty horrified by him the last time we saw them all together. Um, I don't think that they really appreciated what he did to John Locke. And they probably knew that he shot him and left him in a ditch. I don't know. That's a good question. That's what I mean. It brings up. I, I, I don't know because there are multiple scenarios that can play out here. Like they, the others started this going. Mm-hmm. The people from the freighter are the ones that stopped it, which means that Ben was expendable to the others. Was Ben confident when he said that they could have stormed this place to come and get me? Maybe he knew they would attempt to kill him, but he was confident the chemical reaction would be stopped, which is why he was so confident or that confidence is false. And he had no idea that chemical process was even started again. And he was completely, he was that close to dying and not even realizing it. I don't know. It, it's Yeah. I, I don't it know. Me very curious when I was watching that whole thing play out, like, okay, wait a minute. What does that mean for Ben and his control? Huh? Well, I mean, everybody went to the temple, didn't they? No, the temple doesn't come into play until next. I thought season. that I thought that they said that the I thought that Richard said something about the fact. That oh, no, they you're right. Going. You're right. You're right. Okay. The, temple, the temple has been mentioned already at this point. That's why it's confusing when you mention the Tempest. Um, the that uh, that's where you confuse Tempest and Temple a little bit. I did not. No, I, I know. I'm, I'm saying you could. <laughs> you could confuse them. I did not. <laughs> I did not. I'm trying to see if there is any any um, comparison to the, the Tempest. Oh, so let's see. Cultural references. The Tempest. The name of the Dharma Station is the same as the title of William Shakespeare's play, first published in 1623. It tells the story of the sorcerer Prospero and his daughter Miranda, who are stranded on a mysterious desert island that has mystical properties. <laughs> Prospero okay. raises a storm or tempest, which causes a passing ship containing his enemies to run aground. Could be the Black Rock. Um, using magic, spirits, and a man-beast creature called the Caliban, he separates and manipulates the survivors of the wreck for his own purposes. The play ends with Prospero restored to his former glory. Uh, there's a lot of comparisons there to what's actually happening. Yeah. It's also something that I'd like to read. I, Magic, I think, spirits. A, I've, I've read ship. The Tempest, but I haven't read it since like early, early high school. <laughs> since so someone forced you to all. read it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Since I was forced in high school to read it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That might be something worth going back and revisiting like now that with an actual interest in it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, I, I'd love to get like, I'm sure it's out there. I just have to look for it, but I would love to get a literature references list for lost, just something that I can like kind of check off because there's a lot of really great <laughs> check off another author. yeah 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 i heard it i heard it i ignored it because <laughs> you know 2021 is about to start and i always like having um reading goals yeah i i, I will have to look and see and um 
if there's anything out there, we'll have to post it to the Facebook page or something too. If anybody else is interested, we'll start a book club and check it out. Ooh, a lost book club. Yeah. And all the references are literary references in lost. And we're going to start with Carrie. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's well, that's what's uh, no. Was it Cujo or was it Carrie that they were reading in their book club when the plane crashed? I think it's Carrie. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think it's Carrie. So, um, I think, well, I mean, with the exception of, let's see. So we talked about Daniel stopping the gas, Charlotte being, uh, um, a badass fighter as Ju well as Juliet. Um, you know, that moment with Ben taking Juliet to see Goodwin and just telling her you're mine, like is the moment it all kind of comes out. And then that's kind of when we get that moment with Jack and Juliet at the end where, you know, Juliet says to Jack, like, he's not going to let me go. Um, Cause he thinks that I'm his, I belong to him. Yes. So. And then Jack's like, I'm not going anywhere. Okay, dude. <laughs> All you're, right. you, I happen to know you're going to go on a helicopter that she's not on, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that just about covers everything I had for this episode. I don't know if you yeah. have anything else. Nope. No, that was, that was way more than I thought we were going to talk about this episode. You, you and me both. Like that was, we, I mean, we did a pretty deep dive into control. Yeah. And, you know, with John Locke and Ben, and I think rightfully so. This is a Juliet episode, but it is, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, it is a very heavy Ben episode as well. Yeah. Um, I just, I do want to say, though, I love Elizabeth Mitchell so, so much. Do I. I just, so I love her. And if anybody ever saw Revolution, she was in Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, and I miss that show. Two seasons was not enough for that show. I wish that they would have given that show more time because it was really, really good. I think it's a safe bet at this point, too. You know, we talked about Torin last season, especially when we first meet uh, Juliet, that they play very well on the balancing act of making you wonder, is she good? Is she bad? Yeah. I think by this point in the series, we're confident. We oh, know Juliet. 100%. A good yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know Juliet's a good guy at this point. I really like her. So, um, but yeah, that just about covers everything I have too. If you're if you're covered as well, I'm good. <laughs> so that means so next week, next episode of the podcast, we will be covering uh, Gion, which I believe is Sun's Oceanic Six episode. I think it's revealed where that. I think this is the one where it's revealed that uh, Sun is one of the Oceanic Six. Yeah. He's the last of the Oceanic Six at this point. So, yes. Okay. Um, cool. So we have some feedback this week. And before we get to that, we want to let you guys know how you can leave us feedback in the future, whether it's for this episode, a future episode, or anything we've even talked about in the past. Just uh, you can leave us feedback in multiple ways. First, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lost Revisited. We are on Twitter at Lost Revisit Pod, and we are on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. 
<laughs> just I don't know why you just said that in such a way that I was just like, it was so pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have an email uh, feedback. Um, somebody sent us an email feedback. Uh, and it's a new list. Well, I don't know if she's a new listener. I think she's been a listener for a while, but this is the first time she's leaving feedback. So I'm excited about that. Yay. Uh, and of course, we have a voicemail from my buddy, Steve Brown. Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to read the email first? Or do you want to play Steve Brown's voicemail? Um, I don't care. Uh, all right. How about we play Steve's, Steve Brown's voicemail first, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to our new, our new listener feedback. Sounds good. All right, so here it is, our voicemail from our buddy Steve Brown. His name was Goodwin. That's my best echo impression. Um, hey, uh, Benny, Kristen, it's Steve. I'm watching The Other Woman for the second time now, and uh, I'm going to sit in some thoughts. This episode uh, is like, it's like they're reminding us that Ben is an evil son of a bitch. <laughs> like, like, we had some, some few episodes where... We've kind of sympathized with him. We've kind of sided with him. And then suddenly they remind us, wait, don't forget that he's also super evil. <laughs> so I had forgotten that Andrea uh, Roth, Andrea, yeah, Roth does a, did an episode. This is the only episode we see her in. I don't remember. I, I have to admit, I don't remember the fate of these other characters. I don't know if she's a actually alive or if she's the smoke monster. I think, are we meant to... Yeah, is she the smoke monster? Because we get the the whole whispering thing when they meet in the woods, and um, yeah, so and we never see her again. So maybe she is this. I don't know. Um, I, I I'm loving watching this show now because I, there's so much stuff that I don't remember and that I uh, am being surprised about and am excited to see how it plays out in the future. And I, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one and uh, and see, you know, where it goes uh, or where it, it was or where it's going to be. Next episode is a, a Jen and Sun episode, which I'm so excited uh, to see because I don't again, I don't remember all that happened here. So, uh, all right. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks, Steve. So I had the same thoughts of whether or not she was the the smoke monster but then jack comes out and it's like who is she and i'm like okay they both see him yeah yeah they both they both saw harper i think she's i think she's very much alive i think she's with the others no matter where they're at and she's just somebody who's who's following following along she's doing what she's asked to do I would it's love by it ben or by richard or whoever I'd love it if somebody ever did like a parody of 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 a scene like that where they have all the people in the bushes going, "Okay, here we go, ready?" Okay, no, 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 move in and out, move in and out of of, of the shot. Okay, you know what's funny is that you say that is I kind of had a similar thought is that I want to see the camera from a different point of view where when yeah. Jack where when Jack and Juliet look away, you just see the actress that plays Harper just kind of drop into the grass and crawl yeah. away. <laughs> she crawls away like. Gina Linetti does like yes. when she tries to disappear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, we could see you. Yeah, we, we could totally see you. I think that would be funny. <laughs> it's like, it's like if it, I, this is another uh, Shakespeare reference, but I don't know if you've ever seen Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. No, which is basically, there are two characters. There are two 
background characters in Hamlet called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. And Rosencrantz <sighs> and Guildenstern are dead is a is a movie. I believe it was a book first, but it, it's it's also a movie because Richard Dreyfus plays one of the characters. It's the story of Hamlet, but as told from these two background characters, where they <laughs> see all this other stuff that happens um, in the background that you never see when you're reading yeah, Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually what a, what a great fresh take. Well, The Lion King did it too. The Lion King did The Lion King, which is basically Disney's version of Hamlet, and then they did Lion King two, but they also did Lion King one and a half which was The Lion King as told by Timon and Pumbaa. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And that was basically Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That's awesome. But that's what it would be. It would be like one of these side characters like looking like, um, I can see you crawling away. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Look away, you see nothing. Whisper, whisper. Whisper, keep <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so thanks, Steve, for that voicemail. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week, too, because I really don't remember a lot of it. I really don't. Uh, but that leaves us to our second piece of, of feedback from listener it's Kayla. It's a new listener. Yeah, and, her name yeah. is Kyla G. Kyla, uh, From Florida. And she says, she sent us an email that says, hello, Ben and Kristen. I hope this email finds you in time for the episode. It did. I'm a more recent listener and have been considering leaving fat feedback as I get closer to your more current releases. Before the feedback about the episode, I'd like to say that I find so much joy in listening to this podcast. I've watched Lost several times and I started listening for the lark, but now I am rewatching with you guys and it's nice to hear people talking about it 15 plus years later. Thank you guys so much for giving a source of discussion for the show. I love when you reflect on watching it while it was televised as I was too young at the time to live vicariously through those antidotes. Ooh, <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Here is my extremely condensed feedback on the other woman. This episode gives us some good old season one format flashbacks, perfectly placed for the pacing of the episode. Agreed. This episode has multiple meanings of the title. She's Jack's other woman, Goodwin's other woman, and also the other woman because she's another. If you wanted to get deeper, she's the other woman in The Tempest, apart from Charlotte, and Harper suggests that she's Ben's other woman. Interesting. Very good. Uh, when you think about her future in the show, I'll, I'd say she foregoes the role as the other woman. She is the only one who can really tackle the pregnancy problems on the island. She's the only one. She is the one who really reels Sawyer into some semblance of real life. And as we know, she is truly the cause of the incident. As much as we blame Jack for the incident, <laughs> all we can really do is blame him for Juliet's death, which is way worse in my book. Ooh. Kyla, I love you. <laughs> the episode focuses on the Tempest where Goodwin got his chemical burn and complained about working where he could kill everyone on the island by accident, which Ben did once on purpose. Jack isn't the worst for once. This episode proves that Ben is truly the worst. I mean, what kind of a sociopath takes someone to a dead body of a loved one for the emotional shock value? Heard. <laughs> this is Ben's worst episode in both the flashbacks and present day. He is absolutely conniving, especially with John. I found in the trivia on Lostpedia that this episode took place on Christmas 2004. Ever gotten knocked unconscious in the middle of the jungle on Christmas? Kate has. <laughs> <laughs> 
Merry Christmas, Kate. I hope this wasn't too long. Thank you for doing this podcast. Gets me thinking again, like the first time watching Health and Happiness. Kyla G. Listening from Florida. Thank you, Kyla. That was that awesome. was wonderful. Kyla, please keep continuing to leave feedback like that. That was great. Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. Thank you so much. That yeah. was fun. That was, yeah, that was fantastic. And you're right. She's absolutely right, too. Like, there are moments where, like, Juliet might be the other woman in this, but Ken's actually absolutely right. Later on, she becomes the only woman. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she put a good point on it, too, when she says she's the only one who can kind of bring Sawyer into a semblance of real life. Because she yeah, does, she domesticates she brought, Sawyer. Yeah, she does. She <laughs> domesticates him. I was going to say provided stability for him, but yeah, domesticates. Yeah. He went from feral to, uh, to you know, kind of husband. Life she partner. absolutely domesticates Sawyer. Yeah, that's so and it's, funny. it's great. It's fantastic. I love him. I love Sawyer. <laughs> I know it's a big surprise. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Again, it, it, I've talked about this before too. Like. In doing this podcast and diving deeper into these episodes than I ever have, I've learned to appreciate some of these characters more than I ever have. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer being one of them. I was always a fan of Sawyer, but like he was maybe number like four or five or six on my list of favorite characters. He has since bumped up to maybe like two or three. And he's he's moved up a couple of notches on my list. Uh, I I. I probably had something to do with that because I will sing his <laughs> praises off the top of a mountain. <laughs> and I, I know it's, I know it's, it's, it doesn't sound great for me to say it during this episode, because as Kyla mentioned, this is one of the worst episodes for Ben. He is mm -hmm. absolutely diabolical. There's no semblance of redemption in him in this episode. He is still my favorite character in this series. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, she, Kyla touches on it and we talk a lot about it in this episode is that you know when you're a sociopath you don't just all of a sudden grow out of that you know so at what point do you say how much of it was an act and how much of it was true all the way down to did I do a good job when she said when when uh, he asked Hurley um, you know because he wanted to go into the church yeah. so you know you have to kind of second guess that and you have to kind of look at that with with eyes as somebody who was his back up against a wall? Was he a sociopath? Was he, you know, this narcissistic? I I, I don't know. I, I really don't. So it, 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 it's something to pay attention to in the last couple of seasons here. And at the same time, too, you know, Ben is a character who up until this point of the series has never lost. Mm -hmm. And like he's never lost any game that he's played. It takes him losing for him to realize he's not always going to win. And when he loses, he loses big yeah. in this series. You know, he, he loses incredibly big in this season and it's mm -hmm. a shock to his system. Yeah. And it's from that point on, we start to see a change in Ben that I actually really enjoy Ben by the end of the series. He still definitely has those moments where he's diabolical. But he is a he again, like Jack is, a, I think, in my opinion, a completely different character by the end of the series. Mm. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that there's very few characters who are the same at the end. Yeah. And Ben's transformation happens in such a shorter time than Jack. 
because Jack is get Jack gets six seasons to change. Ben only really gets if you talk about this episode probably being his lowest point has maybe two shortened seasons left to make that change. Well, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. But thank you again to Stephen and Kyla for leaving the, that feedback. Um, and definitely continue to do it, please. Uh, we love reading feedback like that. That was fun. Yeah. So uh, before we get ready to wrap this up, we are at the point where we usually leave recommendations for uh, our listeners for other stuff that we kind of want them to check out. Especially this year, like we said, it's been a kind of shitty year. So anytime we can kind of recommend other stuff to escape, from the year is always good in my opinion. Uh, anything new that you're reading or watching or. Uh... Um, I'm rereading Harry Potter. Uh, I started on November 1st and with the intention of reading all seven books by the end of the year. And I just started the fifth book last night. So you're on track. So I'm on track. Yeah. Well, the fifth book is 870 pages. So <laughs> I got through 200 pages last night and I was just like, okay, I feel like this is manageable now. <laughs> I started to get a little nervous. <laughs> um, so that's been actually a really great uh, escape for me. Um, you know, like, like so many people, like millions of people, you know, we've had a really rough year. Um, thankfully, you know, my husband and I, we still have our jobs and our, we're, we still have our health, but you know, there's just, it's been a tough year uh, mentally, emotionally, family wise, friends wise, it's just been a hard year. So Harry Potter has really provided this really nice escape um, lately. Also, I don't know if I said this in the last ep in the last episode or not. Um, we just finished the Queen's Gambit and it's incredible. I, I truly believe it's one of the mo most perfect things that Netflix has ever put out. And I truly hope they never do another season. I hope they leave it as it is as a mini series. It's perfect. It's, it's about, wonderful. It's about chess, right? Yeah. It's about chess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that, that does, that's not, I, I don't laugh at that because I think, uh, you know, if you look at movies like, uh, you know, finding Bobby Fisher and like, it's, it's very compelling when you look at some of the stuff that goes into that. I, I hear Queen's Gambit and I immediately think Oliver Queen from the out from arrow because that was the ship he was on in the pilot episode that goes down. Well, it's a chess move. The queen's gambit is a chess move. Okay. Um, and you learn that watching chess, uh, watching the queen's gambit, but you just have to watch it. It's an incredible story. I just learned yesterday. It was a book, so I'm going to read it. I, I do hear great things about the series. If it doesn't win at least the acting awards I, I, or, or the visual awards is visually stunning. I, I cannot say enough good things about this show. And, and I don't feel that I can even overhype it because everybody I've talked to is just like, it's perfect. It's perfect. I hope it's never, ever left a lot. Like don't expand on it. It's perfect. Um, and then we started watching when we were finished, we started watching um, the crown. And so we're about halfway into the first season of The Crown. And that is really surprisingly good. Like my husband kind of fought me a little bit on it. And I said, look, mm -hmm. man, it's winning a ton of awards. John Lithgow is Winston Churchill. Like, let's just give it a shot. And two episodes in, he goes, well, I'm liking this a lot more than Wait, I thought oh, I was okay. going to. Back up for one second. Lithgow is Churchill? Yes. And he won all the awards when he, when he played Churchill. That's all I need to hear. 
Oh, I, okay. I yeah. love John Lithgow. Oh, then I you're going to love adore this. adore John Lithgow. He is amazing in this. It's so he I, disappears I, into this character. I watched an interview with him not too long ago, and the interview was maybe from a couple years ago. But he he talks about somebody asked him, like, if he ever goes back and rewatches his his work. Um, and I loved his answer because his answer was, I, I don't rewatch the drama because the drama is meant to just, you know, be a portrayal of something. He's like, I rewatch episodes of Third Rock from the Sun constantly. <laughs> He's like, because comedy is like, I love comedy. He's like, and comedy is is subjective. He's like to everybody. He's like, and when you find great comedy, you you want to continue to rewatch it. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons, like you and I, we rewatch constantly are rewatching Brooklyn Nine Nine, New Girl. Like we're you know we're friends. We're constantly rewatching series like that. Um, and and he said too, like he's like, and one of the other reasons why I I constantly rewatch Third Rock from the Sun is because I had. He's like, that was probably I've done so many movies and series. That's probably still to this day, one of the highlights of my career He's like, because I had so much fun making that series. Yeah, I'll um, bet. And I rewatched that series, too. That series is still, I think, to this day. And you can anybody out there can fight me on this. As funny as some series are like New Girl and such. I still think Third Rock from the Sun is one of the most brilliant comedic series out there still to this day. That's because it's the the comedy is just it's just brilliant. Like you know, it's aliens who are learning earth culture. Yeah. Like and in disguise. In disguise. <laughs> I mean, even Jane Curtin, like not to go off on a tangent, but I also watched an episode with Jane Curtin. Uh, you know, who plays the love interest to John Lithgow's character. And she said, like, after SNL, she they they offered her the role uh, that she plays. Anytime you do a TV deal, you sign a seven year contract. Even if the show doesn't go seven years, you sign a seven year contract. It's like a it's like a standard. Mm -hmm. And after she was on SNL for so long and they offered her the role, she was like, I really don't want to sign a seven year contract. I don't want to yeah. commit to anything like that before. And they were like, well, why don't you just come out and shoot the pilot? And then if you're not happy with it, if we get picked up, you can do what we'll, we'll recast the role. So she went out, she shot the pilot. She had a great time. The pilot got picked up and she said how much fun she had doing it. And the producer's like, well, we'd love you to come back. You don't have to sign a contract. How many episodes do you want to do? And she said, well, I'll do seven episodes. So they wrote the first seven episodes with her intending for her to leave at the end of that seventh episode. Oh, wow. And at the end of that seventh episode, she went to the producer and was like, I don't want to leave. Like, this show is so much fun. I don't want to leave. And the producer looked at her and said, yeah, we had a feeling the contract is ready for you to sign. Oh, good. And that's why Jane Curtin ended up staying with the entire, the series, the entire run of the series. Oh, that's cool. So I love stories like that. Yeah. But How John, about you? John Lithgow is brilliant. I might watch The Crown purely for John Lithgow. Um, I mentioned it earlier on. I am, forgive my language, fucking loving Shit's Creek. Yeah, I told you. I, I'm 
I'm disappointed I didn't I didn't start watching it earlier, but also I'm not because now I can kind of continue burn through, through it. it. Yep. I can just burn through it. I'm in season five right now. Um, I legit watched season three in one sitting. Um, the show is hysterical. It's it's sweet. It's just uh, I can awesome. I totally understand why it swept at the Emmys. It won every award it was nominated for. And I completely understand that now. It's the, so good. The show is just, it's a masterpiece. Dan Levy can write his own check at this point in Hollywood. Yes. He can pretty much anything he writes. Any, everybody will want to look at it. Yep. He is it like, I mean, and He's I watched, out of his father's shadow. I don't think he was ever in his father's shadow, to be honest. If you Yeah, but he at- can't say that he he is he got jobs because you know his his dad's in the business. Maybe he got opportunity, but he he has his own specific separate talent. True. And I will I will admit before I I watched season one and two and then I fell into a YouTube hole and I watched all the clips of the awards from the Emmys Ah, um, of them accepting their awards because I, I was like, there's not going to be any spoilers in them. I just want to see them win all these Emmys. And I legit got choked up at how happy they were for winning for this series. Well, they've and- been canceled. I think they were canceled and then like, re-picked up or something like that like they were on they they had like a brooklyn 99 yo-yo but one of the things that really got me one of the things that i absolutely loved about watching those clips is the pride that eugene levy has in for his son Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing like he I, I love the fact that Dan thinks his father is the most brilliant person on earth, but Eugene thinks that Dan is the most brilliant person on earth. Yeah. Like the, the pride and admiration they have for each other. You can tell every drop of that went into this series. There's a and third Levy. The daughter. She pl- it's Twyla. Twyla. Yeah. Hey, Twy. Yeah, hey, Twy. Twyla from the series. And hey, I Twy. love that she's a part of it. Yeah. And you know, she's she's hilarious in it too. Yeah. But yeah, Shits Creek is just I'm I'm loving this series. I'm sad that it's almost over. Already. I can't wait to rewatch it. I'm rewatching it with Dave. I'm so I'm rewatching watching season one with him. Uh-huh. And I'm also finishing the last like three or four episodes <laughs> on my own. And it's so weird to go back and forth. I'm going I'm going to rewatch it. I'm I'm gonna rewatch it when it's uh when it's over. Um on top of Shits Creek. Um, I also want to say that every time I think it can't get any better, the Mandalorian just fucking outdoes itself. It is so good. This and season, I haven't watched. I, can't... I haven't watched today's episode yet. No, me neither. No, we we watch it as a family. Are you kidding me? My yeah. kids wake up on Friday. They go, is it Friday? Yeah, it's Friday. And I'm like, the weekend's here. And both of them separately said Mandalorian. And so and Adam is just like, you were on the way to school today. And he goes, I just can't stop thinking about that tragedy. <laughs> God, I love Adam. I love your kids. <laughs> um, 
I every time I every time I think the show can't get any better, it does. And man, Disney went crazy yesterday between Star Wars announcements, Marvel announcements, and Willow. and Willow, and just like Indiana Jones, um, the Bad Batch, Ahsoka, Tano, um, Obi Wan. If Sabine Wren isn't in there with her, I'm going to flip. Out. Well, they did say that Ahsoka's spinoff is in the Mandalorian timeline. So, yeah, but in the Mandalorian timeline is that is the other timeline. I, yeah, yeah. So I'm okay. so, excuse me for getting a little emotional here, but <laughs> uh, you've seen Rebels, right? Oh yeah. The yeah. way they leave Rebels is begging, begging for an an Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren spinoff. It's begging for it. Well, I'm I'm also kind of hoping at the same time we're gonna get um because of this, <clears throat> I'm I'm hoping we're we're gonna get Ezra. If we um, don't get Ezra, I was hoping that Timothy Oliphant was gonna be Ezra, to be honest. No, but I liked the character that Timothy Oliphant played. No, and I want him to come back. I do too. Okay, let's too. stop. Let's stop right yeah, now because yeah. I feel bad for anybody that hasn't watched any of this. But I mean, you know, with it, with they've announced that they're not going to recast um, Chadwick Boseman, which I think is amazing news. Oh, I mean, good! It, it shouldn't have happened to be. They they it should never even be considered. Um, he is Black Panther. Like, there's nobody else that could play that role. Um, but they've officially announced that they're not going to be recasting that role. They're still making a sequel, but they're not recasting. Um, uh, Captain Marvel 2 is happening. Fantastic Four is finally happening. Um, and they can only go up with those movies. Um, I liked the first one. I think the first one was good. It's not great, but it's good. But it can't be any worse than the last one they made. It was good for the time period. I mean, Chris Evans and Jessica Alba. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jessica Alba, like the height of her fame. <laughs> yeah. Now she just makes baby products. <laughs> but so I'm I'm excited for what's what's coming from the the loki series looks amazing well um, of course it does as does are we gonna the, see hemsworth i don't know it, i'd be great if we do um it was i'd love weird to see seeing, another another version of thor <laughs> well the what if series looks great um which is animated okay it's not the wandavision no wandavision looks weird it looks like our i'm sorry i love those characters but they could have done something different. And the trailer for um, Falcon and Winter Soldier looks fantastic too. <gasps> oh, I didn't see it yet. Yeah, there's a hey, trailer. Hey, when we're when I'll show we're it to you when done we're done here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you when we're done. Um, yeah, there's a lot on the horizon for Star Wars and Disney and Marvel, and um, and this podcast. Like we've already, I think we've we've pretty much decided what the next series we're going to dive into when we're done. Lost is going to be, and I think it's fitting. Um, shares a lot of characters and writers so it's it's once upon a time once upon a time yeah yeah um we still got two more seasons of lost to get through but we'll we'll get through it um but yeah. i'm having fun with the podcast i i love these later seasons i i do too especially considering like i said i don't remember a lot of them i know <laughs> i know <laughs> we're like did this happen I don't know. That's why it's been so much fun is I'm kind of reminding myself of them. <laughs> so uh, I think that's it though. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. 
Any final All right. notes? Any final notes from you on your end? Stay home, guys. Have Thanksgiving at home. Stay well, home. Well, Thanksgiving's over. Um, I mean, Christmas. Stay home for Christmas. <laughs> All of you that didn't go anywhere for Thanksgiving, yesterday we had 3,000 people die in America. I'm sorry if that makes some of you uncomfortable. I'm sorry if that makes some of you angry. But 3,000 people died yesterday. That's the, that's, that's the largest number we've had so far. Stay home for Christmas. Stay home for New Year's. I'd like to go out of my house again. I'd like to go and live life again. Well, it's, it's funny that you say stay home for Thanksgiving uh, because if we don't get our shit together, we're going to be going through this again for Thanksgiving in 2021. Well, um, I'm hoping this vaccine is better. I am. It's everything good. I, I am, too. Um, but I agree with you completely. Uh, wear a mask. I don't care if it makes you uncomfortable. Fucking wear a mask. Just wear the mask. Wear a mask. It's it's look, even if the masks are useless, it's still what what could be lost from wearing it like it's it's not doing you any harm. Wear a mask, even if they don't work, you can brag about being right later. Like, yeah, but not to mention. OK, but here's another thing. Who actually wants to go to their relative's house for Christmas? Who wants to do that? Nobody. Everybody feels an ob obligation. So just. This is your one year that you can do whatever you want for Christmas. <laughs> you can get out of at it. At home. You get out of it. You have a reason. And you can go and you can eat buttered popcorn on your couch and watch whatever Christmas movies you want to watch. Or don't watch any Christmas movies and binge watch, you know, Freddy Krueger movies for all I care. Just stay home. Order a bunch of takeout. Just stay home. Oh, and on the note of takeout... Um, I just want to say from a personal standpoint, as a door dasher, um, please tip your dashers. We know when you don't. It's one <laughs> of the reasons why a lot of times your order will sit for a while before a driver picks it up. We know when you're not tipping um, because we do see how much we're getting for the order. We know when there's no tip included. If And I feel this way about dining out, too, which you shouldn't be doing at this moment. And in some states, you're not able to anymore because restrictions are going up. Um, but as a DoorDasher or even just ordering pizza from a local place, if you can't afford to tip your your DoorDasher or your delivery driver minimum four or five dollars, you should not be ordering out. Yeah. And you know what? And this is in a this is in a season where a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are are living literally shift to shift a lot of times. Um, I used to live that life. I used to live that that restaurant life. And um, there's a subreddit that I invite everybody to go check out. It's um, it's ask a server or something like that. Shoot. Now I got to find it. But um, it there's a post in there a big thread where they're talking about uh, customers that are actually the ones that are going into restaurants right now. And it's the people that are anti. Yes. Um, everything. I read that. I read that article. And it, it's awful. It's awful. There people, the server, the service industry is getting dumped on by hateful people, by angry people, by people that have, just nowhere to put their frustrations out. They're getting ridiculed for wearing masks on their shift. They're getting, um, they're getting yelled at. They're getting put down. They're not getting tipped for wearing masks. I mean, it, it's pretty bad. 
I mean, and, and, you know, and to, to go off on the delivery drivers again too, like door dashing and things like that. Like I understand, like I've legit picked up like hundred dollars sushi orders where they've tipped me $2. Like if you can afford $120 in sushi, you can afford to throw me five, $10 as a tip, you know, for, yeah. for driving the seven miles to bring it to you so that you don't have to leave. I put myself at risk to go out to do that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and not every person don't assume that just because somebody's a delivery driver that like they're they're being lazy and cavalier with their life. Some there are DoorDash drivers out there or who are doing it because they lost their job due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And this is the only job they can get to support their family. So yep. please take care of them. If you're going to order out, take care of your driver. I, I'm, I'm just asking that, please. So I, and I'm going to I'm going to end it at that before we go off on like another hour long rant about this Wear yeah, masks, and I and look I, I don't mean and I don't mean to be um I don't mean to be negative I don't mean to be you know anything other than just I I'm tired of being inside and I stay inside because there's so many people that refuse to take um what we've been going through this year seriously and I have a son who is um at risk at a high risk and if he were to get the virus, it would be very serious for our family. And, you know, we've discussed how it would be for you as well, Ben. And um, when that hits home like that, it, as a mom, as a parent, you're going to feel a little crazy. You're yeah. going to feel a lot crazy. You'll do, a, a, most parents will do anything to protect their kids. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. So I, I say it with, with anger, but I, I'm angry because I'm so frustrated and I, I'm really just trying to look out for my kid. I'm trying to look out for people who can't look out for their own kids. And also, you know, as the hospitals fill up, people that need the hospital for other reasons, they don't, can't get they seen. They don't get it. Yeah. They can't get seen. Um, you know, my one of us had to get... Um, go to the doctor for some reason that you go to the doctor. I forget what it is. And they're like, oh no, we're not seeing anybody. We can't. And that that's awful. Well, I mean, you think about the, you think about the domino effect. You don't wear a mask. You go out, you end up picking up COVID. You may not show symptoms, but you end up picking it up. You become a carrier. You give it to two other people who will show symptoms. Yep. One of those two people ends up getting symptoms so bad, they now need to be submitted to the hospital and they use one of those beds. Meanwhile, the other person, somebody else in your family gets into a car accident and they yep. need to go to the hospital. Well, guess what? There's not a bed available for them because this person you gave COVID to is already using that bed. And that right there is the problem. Yes. That just, right there is just the because you are not showing symptoms or you got it and it didn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't affect somebody else. And yeah. that's that's the selfishness and ignorance that there are people out there like showing I yeah. anybody out there who is arguing and I've posted this on my own Facebook page. Governors are putting new restrictions into effect here in Pennsylvania. Restaurants are closed for indoor dining again. It's takeout only starting tomorrow. And there are so many people out there blaming the governor. 
I understand the restaurant industry is hurting. Our government is part of the problem because they're not stepping up to help small business. Instead, they're taking care of large corporations. Yes, that is a problem. But these governors are not the ones that are part of the problem. They're doing it to keep their people safe at this point. It is not the governor's fault. It's the fault of the people who are not listening to the mandates. It's the same people that are saying mandates don't work that were the people that weren't listening to the mandates to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the ignorance and part of the problem. I, I, I feel bad that we kind of stepped on the soapbox and I apologize to any listeners right now who may be on the other side of this or may feel differently. We're simply expressing how we feel about this. So if, if you yeah. feel turned off to this podcast because of it, I apologize. Um, it's just we're at the end of the year, a year that has been horrible for so many people. And if, if you take anything away from this, again, it's not hard to wear a mask. It's not hard to wear a mask properly. It's also Com not hard to stay home for a holiday. Yes. I agree with that. I well. did it for Thanksgiving and my family and I had the best Thanksgiving that we've had in years. I, I, I too want to leave my house. I mean, I leave to DoorDash, but that's because I have to, I have to get my bills paid. Um, I'm immunocompromised. I put myself at risk every time I go out to do it, but I do it because it needs to be done. But when I do it, I wear a mask and I socially distance. I will, I use hand sanitizer constantly I take care of myself. I protect myself because I take this seriously. If all of these things don't help, I feel personal satisfaction in knowing that maybe they do. Um, and I have had scares where I've had to quarantine because I thought I had it. I get constant testing. I'm tested at least twice a month because for my own personal well-being, I get tested at least twice a month. I would have loved to have driven down and spent Thanksgiving with you guys. Mm -hmm. Me but, too. But because of things in this country, I can't do it. Yep. I felt nervous even driving to, I spent Thanksgiving with a friend and their family, but I'm, I'm in their bubble. So like, and I was the only person from outside of that household that was there. And the only reason why I was invited and comfortable was because they know I wear a mask. They know I social distance. They know I get tested. So that's the reason why I was in their bubble. I felt nervous even doing that. Yeah. Knowing I was perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. I still felt nervous. And it's the people that are so nonchalant about this thinking it's never going to happen to them. That are, that are the problem. Yeah. So again, if you're one of those people, I apologize. If, if we offended you, I don't apologize for saying what we say, because this is what we believe. Um, yeah. I apologize if you're offended by it. So anyway, I think I'm going to. But also I, watch the Queen's Gambit. And Schitt's Creek, if you haven't already. Yeah. Yeah, both of them. And and tune in next week where we won't talk about uh, <laughs> yes. any of this anymore. We'll try. We'll this try is not it. to talk about this This is it. This is, our, this is it. If we're you're still listening and you haven't turned this off in a huff, yeah. we're done. <laughs> we're, we're getting it off our chest now. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, next episode, season four, episode seven, episode seven, uh, Jiyeon, which is a Jin and Sun centric episode, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. 
until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!